For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Get everything you need for your next project today at Menards and save big money. LP SmartSide products are the number one brand of engineered wood siding. SmartSide trim and siding offers long-lasting performance and delivers the warmth and beauty of traditional wood. Save big money today at Menards and LP SmartSide products. Plus, visit Menards.com to view the weekly flyer and check out all of our great deals happening this week. Save big money at Menards. Game of Thrones podcast. We are Take the Black, and I'm your host, Razor. I'm here with Annie Bundle, the goddess Isis herself, Lord Corey Thone, and his squire, the stable boy, Corey Smith. How's it going, Corey Smith? How you doing? How you feeling tonight? Good. Glad to uh, have all you wonderful, beautiful people back on the podcast. We missed you guys last week. Yeah, what what Isis and Thone don't realize is Corey Smith earned his spurs last week with some really good news, and then slowly over the week has lost his spurs, and now he's back mucking the stables for Corey Thone. Corey Thone, how do you feel about this? Uh, who the fuck let him out of my stables? That's what I want to know. <laughs> I don't know, man. I uh, try. I try to be nice, shit. man. I try to. I try to give him a helping hand, and you, you see know, what he Razor. Does. I have to say. That while I find your compassion for the common man endearing, uh, it's going to get you in trouble one day. These guys, they're ruthless, and, and they'll turn on you like that, my should, friend. Should we so. build a wall around stable down. stable people? Probably. Make Westeros great again. <laughs> That's actually what they did. And there's Annie's Huff. We got Annie to Huff at the beginning just, of the podcast. Can I just point out that they actually did build a wall – and it is kind of working, so just throwing it out there. That's right. It's made of ice, and it's keeping a lot of things out. This is hilarious. All right, so <laughs> let's get into the I, – I know we've this podcast has not even been on for five seconds, and it's already off the rails. Annie, we've got some news to talk about for Game of Thrones Season 7 filming, and it's about a spot, a private location on a – I want you to take us there. Give us a paint us a picture, if you will. Take me there. Take me All right. there. <laughs> um, so basically, we kind of already knew about this. Um, uh, as we know, Game of Thrones uh, started filming in Spain in season five, and that was partly because an old uh, HBO executive became the ambassador to Spain. Mm. And uh, he basically convinced Game of Thrones to try a couple of places to film for Dorne in season five. That's why in season six they moved bag and baggage to Spain because they got such great tax cuts and it was such a good experience that they just basically left uh, Dubrovnik altogether. And now they basically do almost all of their filming either in Spain or in Spanish territories like the Canary Islands. Um so one of the more useful things about this is that um, I, I'm, I'm going to butcher their name, Los Setas Rios. Um, LSR. I called them- LSR. Um, they're kind of our Spanish counterpart, um, and they're in Spain because, well, so they actually got in a car and went out to the area where they were told was going to be part of the filming for season seven. I love them and, um, this. I know, it's so cool. And they, they took a ton of pictures, right? And if you go to their website um, and you and you look at the uh, you look at the post, like they have a ton of pictures of the field where they are going to be filming uh, basically a battle scene that from all rumors is gonna be on par with the Battle of the Bastards. It's the same kind of place. It's uh in when they filmed in Saint Field, they uh, got a place that was kind of off the road, hard to get to, and most importantly on private property so that they could have um, private security 
be, you know, basically have the right to kick off anybody that wasn't supposed to be there. If they film on public property, it's a lot more difficult. Right. Um, and when they film in cities and they film like, like when they filmed in Dubrovnik and they filmed in the middle of the city, like tourists were literally like leaning over walls and taking pictures. Mm -hmm. So filming on private property is a lot better for keeping spoilers under wraps. Um, and so like it, it's, you know, it's a very, very large field. Um, it's got, kind of shortish trees it's not like where the battle of the bastards was filmed like it definitely looks more southern westeros um i could picture this as dorn i could also Boo. picture this as well no i could also picture this as the scrubland that's south of king's landing Ooh. but not actually like dorn yet i like um it. Yeah, so there's a couple of different locations this could stand in for. It's definitely on the southern end, though. This is definitely not like the Riverlands. This is not Ireland, and it definitely does not look like it could pass for Ireland. Um, so, you know, the fact of the matter is, is this could be where Danny's last stand, Danny's stand is against Cersei um, if they decide to have the battle on land. Um, nice. You know, I know last week we were talking that, you know, it could be, you know, Battle of the Blackwater Part 2. Mm -hmm. um, they, did, they did note that there are, you know, water's edges around this area, but that's not the place where the film is actually going to be. So even though there are locations where, you know, it could be a beach battle, that's not where they're actually filming. Ah, so... Let me ask you, Annie. You, mm -hmm. I, I saw the pictures. Do you think it could stand in for anywhere outside of King's Landing? Like, and you know, because I, if I mean, this were to me, in the maybe season, I could see this being Essos. In early yeah. in early seasons, I could see this being like somewhere in the grasslands or somewhere in the red waste. But the fact of the matter is, is I just don't see us spending a month in Essos anywhere. Yeah, like, that's course. just, no. Okay, any Essos scenes we're going to get are going to be Jorah the Explorer trying to get his gear to come home, okay? It's going right. to be some red priests and priestesses sitting around a table, like, doing a little, uh, I don't know, what what's that Simpsons reference where they're all singing and, uh, you know, Patrick Stewart's leading? Like that, okay? Like, I can picture that. But no, this is, this is definitely going to be Westeros because I don't see any major battles happening places that aren't Westeros. And it's the Stonecutters. That's what I was trying to reference earlier well um that's pretty interesting information so we have a private we have a, a private area that um nobody's the public isn't allowed on now if you remember last season we had that guy crawl on his hands and knees about four or five miles over mountainous terrain with the camera to film the tower of joy scenes as they were being yes but and those that again was public property, so they couldn't cut it off. Right. So even though it was hard to get to, once he got there, they couldn't actually do anything. He's Not the one. Really. He was my favorite guy ever because he was like, "Get him, Beanie! Get him, Beanie!" And Sean Bean yeah. wasn't even there. But you know. So uh, basically, like this is more like Saint Field, where I expect security to be massive. I do expect a ton of fans to try and go out there and try and see something. I wouldn't be surprised if we had some telephoto lens pictures that come out of this simply from, you know, total determination. Yeah. But, you know, this is, as far as they're concerned, what they did in Saint Field was as good as it gets, so they're going to try it again. Um, there were also some pictures of costumes that came out uh, the last couple of days. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, you know, they're probably just undershirts for armor, but personally, I thought it looked like uh, everybody was dressed like they were in District 12 all of a sudden. Um, <laughs> I, thought of, I thought of the Hunger Games, and I also was like, how come everybody's in their night clothes? Like, what, did they get woken up in the middle of the night? Well, actually, one of my favorites was one of my writers at Culturist pointed out that that's how people dress on the covers of romance novels. <laughs> So uh, if you if you look because it was a uh, John and Brienne who were both in the big blousey shirts. Uh -oh. So she was like John and Brienne. Well, no, she was like so she then spun this whole fantasy about you know John the romantic hero, and then you know actually it's Brienne that you choose. Um. Hey, uh, hey, um, let me ask you let me ask you a question here, um, Isis. What do you think of the Brienne John ship? <laughs> Come on. Isis, are you there? I like that about as much as, um, I, I don't know, it, I guess 
him and and uh, Sansa together. I mean, it, it really it's fucking disgusting. So that's so uh, mean, though. No, it's not mean. I just I cannot see them together. I think that is th- that would be so far fetched that I I really don't understand it. I mean, if we're if we're gonna go for like some fan fiction shit, okay, maybe because you know it, it would be plausible if. You know, she had to, like, have a child for her family because, you know, she's an only daughter. I don't know. Whatever. And, you know, he, he he's a selfless person and he, like, falls on his sword and, and does that. But I don't see it. It's just, that's ridiculous. I think it's, I, I think there's a better chance of Jamie and her getting together. I, I think you guys are misunderstanding me. It's not that John and Brienne would get together. It's that John was the romantic hero, and then Brienne would step in and be the romantic hero, and that the girl would choose Brienne over John. Uh, I oh, see what you're saying. Well, well, I, was yeah. having, I was having fun with the whole ship thing, but yeah, I see what you're saying. <laughs> I get your point. Yeah. I, I'm sorry. I just thought you guys – I was going with what he said about the shipping of uh, of Brienne and, and – um, and uh, what, what would that what, what would we call that? We would call it the uh, Briengen. Briengen. No, we would say fuck no. <laughs> <laughs> All right, listen. Let's get on to some fun stuff. Uh, in those same pictures that Annie's talking about, there was a picture of a wee little child, probably about. I mean, the boy was looked like he was about ten years old. He was standing by the uh, the trucks where everybody else are the buildings that everybody else is coming out in their little underclothes. And he was wearing leather, uh, for lack of a better word, armor. Corey Smith, you're the stable boy here. Help me out. You're, you usually help Corey Thun with his armor. Uh, what he did was, it look like to you? He was wearing one of those leather doublets that we doublet, see. Kinda, yeah. Yeah, that we see a lot of the northerners wearing um, through various scenes. But it was series, definitely so. high-born attire. Correct. It was, he was not, not mucking the stables. Not something I would wear. Yeah, it was not something he would wear. <laughs> Oh, God, we love you, Corey Smith. I know we're just giving you a hard time. Anyway, so um, here's what we're going to talk about tonight for funsies. We're going to talk about – because here's what I think. This kid just – you know, he may he may show up from some other house. He may be some vassal, some vassal's kid. He may be some pledge to the new king of the north to, like, you know, carry his banner or whatever. We don't know. But I think that this guy – is going to be this kid is going to be in another flashback. Now we've had the flashbacks in season six. It all started in season five with Cersei's uh, dream, and now season six was full of uh, Bran's weirdwood dreams. Uh, it makes sense to me that season seven will continue to have weirdwood dreams because Bran has got to see how you know Bran's got to tell John about his birth, right? That's got to be that's what we hope happens anyway. So. Uh, we're going to go around in like a round robin type thing here. We're going to discuss what each of us would like to see in a flashback in season seven. You don't have to hold it to just one flashback, and you can. You, it doesn't have to be in Winterfell. It doesn't even have to be about Jon Snow or the Starks. It can be about anybody because right now we're in uncharted territory. So if you think you you would like to see a flashback and it's plausible in season seven, then let's talk about it. And I'm going to start. With myself, I'm just going to just break it out there. I think this kid, because he had dark hair, could be Jon Snow, little Jon Snow. And now there could be many reasons for a flashback with Jon Snow. Um, we could see him interacting with, and this would be amazing, a young Catelyn Stark, um, uh, a young Eddard Stark. We could see him interacting with his brothers, Rob, Rob, Rob Stark, because at that age, it would only be Sansa and Rob bo- that would be born at that time, I believe. So it would be amazing to see how Stark in the next generation, because in season six, we saw the past generation, right? We saw Lyanna, we saw Benjen, we saw um, Eddard. We didn't see, did we see a young Brandon? I don't think we did. Annie? No, I know we. He was referenced, but he was not yeah. seen. He, I think he was already gone doing something, probably, uh, whatever. Anyway, whatever Brandon did back in those days, uh, getting his sword wet. Um, so uh, I, I think we might see the next generation of Stark children, and it could it could be John, Rob, and we might even see a young Sansa. We might see a young Catelyn, which to me would be phenomenal, and, and like a young Lord Eddard. Um, and this could be a way to continue the story of John's birth, like we saw him born at the Tower of Joy, 
and then we see him training with his brother Rob in the in the in the in, the, in the, like the the training yards of Winterfell, where Catelyn looks on scowling at him every time he hits his brother Rob because she hated him as a boy. Blah blah blah. That's kind of what I want want to see. Uh, Annie, uh, what what would you like to see in season seven as a flashback? God, give me give given my druthers. You, the one thing I want to see more than anything. The year of the false spring. I, I want the journey at Harrenhal. I want I want Liana and Rhaegar meeting cute. I want to know if she was really the Knight of the Laughing Tree. Mm. I want it all. I want to see Harrenhal when it was still beautiful. I want Littlefinger when he was a little kid. I want Ned as a young man. I want the whole damn thing. I want the year of the false spring. Now, wasn't wasn't Harrenhal melted at the at the time of the tourney because Aegon had already taken yeah. over? Yeah, he melted it way early on. But still, like, yeah, but it was, I get it what was you're still, saying. It, it was still decorated for the event, and it was still the event yeah. space. Right, And right. I would like to see, like, the closest thing to Heron Hall's glory, you know, That would be amazing. Staged. Like, that's what I – if I think that I speak for most book readers when I say that the, the year of the fall spring and the tourney at Heron Hall are, like, the original sin of the series, you know? I agree and, 100%. And that, if if there was one scene that we, that I would like to see staged in the way that you know one would like to maybe if if one were uh, if if one were in in Harry Potter there's the when we first see uh, Lily and 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 uh, and Shame. James meet you at uh, at uh, at Hogwarts in the flashbacks. Oh yeah, this is that same kind of like level of this is what we want to see. I got you. I see what you're saying, and I agree 100%. It would be amazing to see all that happen. Rhaegar, unseat um, Barristan Selmy, uh, take the Winter Roses and present them to Lyanna. Um, hey, introduce the Shara Dane, right? Uh, that would be mm-hmm. amazing. Um, there would be so many cool things that they could do with that, and then we could probably see and settle it once and for all. Like, come on, D&D. Come on, George. Let's just go ahead and settle it once and for all. Rhaegar did not kidnap and rape Lyanna. They were in love. They ran off together, right? That's what we all want to happen anyway. Um, yes. I would love to see that. I would love to see that happen. Um, also, because at that same moment at the tournament of Hall, you had um, Helen Reed come out of the Isle of Faces, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, there's so much contained in those flashbacks within the books that we get, like, all of these different perspective stories on. I mean, seriously, like, I have thought for quite a long time that if the Game of Thrones wanted to take a year off, if if they had taken a year off between season four and season five in order to sort of figure out how to fix the books on screen, mm-hmm. season five should have been a flashback year that contained nothing but the year of the fall spring because so much happened. It could be 10 episodes. It would be amazing. It could be like, I've said this many times, uh, you know, when, when Spartacus had to do the prequel season because uh, of, of the actor who played Spartacus got cancer and, and, and sadly passed away. They did a prequel season to, to let everything calm down and try to help, let him get healthy. That turned out to be amazing. Anyway, moving on. Corey Smith, I know you have a few things to talk about, but I'm going to hold you back a little bit because you're a book reader. I'm going to ask Corey Thone to step in, especially since you're his uh, squire and he gets to speak for us anyway. So, Corey Thone. Oh, shit. (laughs) Corey Thone, what would you like to see in flashbacks in Season 7? Whatever it is that Corey Smith has is what I want to see. Whatever he says, he stole it from me. Uh, that piece of shit. Uh, well, I mean, there's not any answers left after what Annie just laid out. That's I mean, not true. Just that answer not the... true. There's the Battle of the Trident. No, we just want the whole series answered in a couple flashbacks real quick. That's all. No big well, deal. Okay. So my answer that I came up with, because, again, as a show watcher, I can only really base this off of people that we've seen on the show is I would like, cause we've heard them talk about Helen Reed and yeah. we've seen him in the one scene. And I know based off talking with you razor that he's King of some weird ass, uh, floating Island out in the middle of somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> like, like what's, what's that, um, Miyazaki movie. Yeah. Where it's on the turtle's the floating back. Castle. Like <laughs> floating castle. Floating castle. Howlin' Reed's floating castle is out there somewhere. <laughs> well done, sir. Well done. Thank you. And, uh, but, I mean, honestly, 
we know that from the show, and I actually missed it when I watched it the first time, and someone on here pointed it out. We know that Hallen knows about Rob's decree, mm-hmm. uh, and we know that he knows about uh, Ned's actual heroic actions, if you will, at the Tower of Joy. Yes. So he probably knows about John's lineage as well. Right. So this is a guy that knows a lot of stuff that we have not seen in real time, only in a flashback. So I would say I would like to see more of Helen Reed. It can be a flashback. It can be whatever. I just I think because I, I think it's obvious at this point now that we know that Reed knows so much, we're going to see him at some point on the show in like quote unquote present day for the show, right? I would I would uh, love I would love to give a shout out to Dan, our editor in chief, really quick, because last time we talked about Helen Reed, I foolishly mentioned the fact that on the show I had thought that Rob sent out a declaration of legitima- a legitimization for John. And on the show he didn't. He did it in the books, but he didn't do it in the show and Dan corrected me. He was he was absolutely right. Oh uh, see, so that's why I didn't remember it then. Okay, good. Yeah. So but <laughs> yeah, regardless cool. yeah. of that but I do remember – I remember Rob telling Caitlin, Catelyn where he's like, I want John to take over for me, and she's like, oh, that's not a good idea, and he writes it down on something. Where'd that letter go then? Well, in the books, in the books he sends off one of the Mormonts, and he sends off, uh, I think, a Malister. Am I right, Smith? I forget. Uh, I thought it, I thought it was a. I mean, in the books, it's a it's a Mormont, and it's not a Malister because they're both northern houses. Right, so no. let me let me rephrase my question, and, and I, it's the exact same question, but then the three words in the show are in front of it. Yeah, so. I don't I don't remember it happened. I thought it happened in the show. Dan and I talked about it, and okay, I went fine, back. Maybe and, it didn't. Fine. I looked back and, and so, watched. I watched YouTube, and I couldn't find any scenes within it. All right. So either way, Howlin' Reed knows about John's lineage, and he knows uh, about Ned's actions, which you know make Ned the most fascinating character to me on the show. Absolutely. Uh, because I think we talked about before because uh, all of his children that died were doing what they thought Ned would have done when in reality what Ned would have done what he needed to do <laughs> to survive. It's kind uh, of and, it's kind of uh, ironic that in both in the books and the show Ned actually says something to Arya, and he never followed his own advice, and none of his children have ever followed his advice. Yeah. He says, "When the cold wind rises, the lone wolf dies, but the pack survives." And yeah. it's so perfect for a house with a wolf for their sigil. And it's almost like he meant that as about his family or something. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. No shit, Razor. <laughs> I have a feeling his grandpa told I him that. I hate you. I hate you. I yeah, hate so you anyway, so much. Helen Reed. That's my answer. I want to see more Helen Reed in a flashback because I'm, I'm almost positive we're going to get some of him in the, the modern day for the show. That so, would be very cool. I'd love that. All right. Corey Smith, we're still skipping over you. Because we can. <laughs> and we're going straight to the Lady Isis. Isis, what would you like to see in a flashback in Season 7? All right, so I, I, this is going to be unpopular, and this is – I did no research whatsoever, and I'm also only a show watcher, so I have no form of reference of what's in the fucking book. So I like, Wait, wait. Like, I, like, I like how Isis always prefaces everything by, I've never read the books. I'm only a show watcher. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I say time. that because – I don't want somebody to jump all over me and be like, what the hell? She doesn't know what she's talking about. She's so boozy. She's anyway. <laughs> God, you will never let that go. Okay, continue. I will never let that go. Anyway, so uh, I want um, I want to know more about the faceless man, uh, Jaquin Hagar. What is his name? Jaquin Hagar. Hagar. Sexy Jesus. Whatever. A sexy Jesus. I want to know, and, and for obvious reasons, I just want to keep him on the show because he's really good looking. But <laughs> um, but also, I feel like we don't know a lot about him, and so he is going to be. I feel like he's going to be very, really important to the story, and it's going to make everybody's you know mind just fucking blow up when we find out who he is or who he was uh, before he became a, a faceless man. Um, I, I really am interested in it. I love the the back and forth between him and Arya. Uh, now that the waif is dead and she's gone, I'm I'm all about it. Or I mean, to be is honest, she? Like, no, well, uh, whatever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> for me, she's gone, and so um, for you know, she was kind of playing third wheel in this whole like sexy Jesus situation that was going on. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I'm really interested to find out 
um, exactly who he is in in this whole Game of Thrones because you can't tell me that his only job in the, the how many seasons he was on three seasons he started in season season two. two season two yeah, yeah. season two so you can't tell me that this whole time that that his job was basically to train Arya for a little while and then send the waif to kill her or whatever the case may be. He may have been in the end of season one. I think we actually saw him at the end of season one, and then he started his acting in season two, I believe. I believe, anyway. I have no idea. He was on another TV show that was, like, about, um, like, he was a cop or something, and it was really, really good, and then he jumped on Game of Thrones. Um, So I was really excited about seeing him. I think he's a great actor, uh, but I really want to know more about Sexy Jesus just because I think he, there's got to be I can't just believe that he just came for the sole purpose. There has to be some backstory well, to him. Here's a here's a little that, bit of here's a little bit of book spoiler knowledge for you. And if you guys uh, don't want spoilers, turn back in three, two, one. Here it is. Uh, in the books, um, Jack and Hagar, the guy or whoever he is, going by Jack and Hagar, actually steals the face of an acolyte at the Citadel where Sam is right now. And in Old Town, and he um, wants to get a key. Isn't that right, Smith? Fill me in. He wants to get a key to get into somewhere in the Citadel. He gets a key. Um, He actually has that acolyte steal the key from a a maester that's basically got Alzheimer's or something. And the the key is a skeleton key, basically. Right, right. Anywhere in the Citadel. Um, Most people assume that... Jacken is there looking for something on the dragons. Um, and, and here's the reason why. And and, and I'm glad you brought up Jack and Hagar, Ice, because right. the Faceless Men actually have a much deeper connection to Valyria and the Targaryens than most people who – well, people who have never read the books know because that's where the Faceless Men started was in Old Valyria. They were in the mines of Old Valyria. And um, the very first faceless man gave the gift of the faceless god to a slave who was asking for to be released from his bonds. Like, you know, these people beat me. These people, these people are killing my, my family and friends. And so his sacrifice was, to, was death. Death pays for life. Life pays for death, how they always say, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, that's how the first faceless man started. And so there's these big theories going around that the faceless men – have been have been working behind the scenes to actually kill the dragons because they are from from Valyria, and the faceless men escaped Valyria and went into Bravos to start their cult there. So there's there's a lot of connection to uh, Valyria and the Targaryens through the faceless men. Um, <clears throat> okay, well I still want to see sexy Jesus. That's, yeah, that I, really I don't think we've yeah. seen the last of him. I think he's I think he's a good actor, and I just the way he and Arya left it. I just feel like he's going to be back. And I am not convinced that Arya is done being a faceless man, honestly. I'm well, just I mean, we did see her with some off-label use of faces mm-hmm. uh, in, the, in the series finale. That's true. So. Off-label. I like that. Off-brand faces. <laughs> I wonder who she killed to get that face, though. Poor girl. Good God. Anyway, um, Corey Smith, it's finally your turn. Let us know. What kind of flashback? For fuck's sake. Uh... You know, mine you know what? Of, That's um, it, guys. We got to go. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs> Asshole. Uh, you know, honestly, I, I'm kind of glad that you, that you skipped me for a bit because my idea was kind of similar to yours, uh, Razor, except for I think, you know, looking at the picture, the, the kid's hair is a little lighter brown as opposed to being a dark, you know, kind of black like Kit Harrington's. Mm-hmm. I think that that might be a young Rob Stark. Yeah, I've, I've seen a lot um, of comments say that, yeah. Right, and and which would be incredible because there's there's a flashback um, in the books where John thinks back to when he, him and Rob were were kids, mm-hmm. and they're both similar age, and they were you know play fighting through the castle and through the the battlements, and John says something to the effect of I'm the you know like they're playing. He says I'm the Lord of Winterfell, and it really offends Rob. Uh, because Rob, you know, Rob is quick to point out, you can't be the Lord of Winterfell. You're a bastard. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to be the Lord of Winterfell, and you kind of sympathize with both because you, you know Rob is just 
kind of repeating what he's been told. And I mean, at that age, I think they're like eight or nine, maybe 10 years old in the book in yeah. the, at that point. And so it's a really powerful scene because it kind of puts this message in the back of John's head that he'll never be good enough. And that he always kind of wanted Winterfell. You know, they touch on this again later on when uh, Stannis offers Winterfell to John if he leaves the Night's Watch. Mm-hmm. And John, th- you know, John recalls thinking he he always wanted to be Lord of Winterfell, but Rob was always first in line, and he felt bad. John always felt bad for wanting Winterfell when he knew it was going to his brother Rob. Right. Um, so. I think that that could be a pretty incredible scene, especially if John is kind of coming to grips with being the king in the north, um, you know, through through season seven. I mean, all that was kind of thrust on him really quickly. And so if he's kind of recalling that scene back in the day, I think that would be a pretty amazing scene because it would kind of speak to John's motivations throughout his life and how he's always felt. Not just that he was literally a bastard, but that he was never good enough to inherit or do any of those things. So I, that was my thought. It was a young Rob Stark, um, just you know. I like it. Be, I like it a yeah. lot. Um, so, so we've got we've got the panel going around talking about what we'd like to see in flashbacks, and uh, you know we still have a lot. Of, well, a fair good amount of podcast time to go, and I've I've got another topic I want to talk to you guys about. Corey Smith wrote an excellent piece for WinnersComing.net where he said, "Who would kill Cersei Lannister in season seven? What? what? Now we've all we've all theorized about this, right? We've all talked about like it's got to be Danny, right? Danny's got to kill Cersei, or it's got to be Jamie. Jamie gets jealous, or Jamie gets angry because she set the uh, King's Landing on fire, or she because she neglected their son, he killed himself, or whatever. Or Tyrion comes back and kills her. So let's go around and talk about this really quick. Who do we, the Take the Black panel, think kills Cersei? Go Isis. Arya. Arya, right off the bat, huh? Yeah, right off the bat. I'm going to say Arya. I, I think that um, she, you know, she's been on her list. I think if she does not, if she's not the one to kill Arya, I think this that will probably affect her mentally. Because mm. especially, you know, the route that she's been on has been to go ahead and, and basically knock all these people off her list who basically killed her family. Um, so I feel like that if it will be, um, a kind of a letdown if she does not, if she's not the one that is, that is able to kill her or maybe see her being killed. I think she'd be pacified if she saw her being killed, like, you know, in her face. Um, but if, if, uh, if she's not the one to do it, I think that, you know, she's going to feel like that she was cheated, if you will. I Hell, I almost think. I, I think that she'll even maybe even kill the person who killed Cersei just for the fact of like, hey, you took you you took my thing. This is this is my deal, okay? I'm supposed to be killing my the people on my list. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Arya. Um, I think it would be really, I think it would be excellent to see the look on Cersei's face to see Arya, and um, the fact that you know in her mind she believes that Arya is probably dead. You know she's no longer with us. And and to see that it it be somebody from the Stark family right now. Oh, I, I think right now who uh, and I'm going to ask Annie. I'm going to ask you this question right now. Who is the closest person in Cersei's circle of friends? Kybert in the mountain, correct? That's correct. So she really, unless she lets handmaidens, and I'm sure she does because she's the queen. Arya would have to take the face of a handmaiden, right? Correct. In order to get them, that's correct. Uh, yeah. Honestly, I think she'll kill the mountain. I don't think she'll kill Cersei. Oh my God, that's such a tall task. Uh, no, I know it's a tall no task. No pun intended, and, but still, yeah. But I, 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 I don't act. I, 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 I understand where Isis is coming from, and I agree that it would suck that Arya doesn't get to kill Cersei. But I think that there's just too much evidence that it's going to be one, either Jaime or Tyrion who's going to kill Cersei. Like, I just feel like, uh, and this is partly because of the books, but I just feel like there's been too... And, you know, the, the thing is, someone pointed out in the, that the show doesn't actually talk about the Valen... That the prophecy of the Valen cards never right. actually come up on the show. Right. So, in, in that sense, 
maybe in the books have just been misdirecting us the whole time. But I'm going with I Buy the Prophecy. I'm going with it's either Tyrion or Jamie, and of the two, I think it's Jamie. And I think he kills her like he killed. I, I think the the idea of him killing Cersei as the Mad Queen the same way he killed uh, King Aerys as the Mad King um, as a bookend. I think that those are. I think that's. I think that's the one that I like. That's the theory I like the most. What if we uh, got this? What if we got this scene? Arya is setting up the kill. Right. This is a little fan fiction for you. She's setting up the kill. She's got the handmaiden's face. And she's she's chilling in the back, right? Like in the throne room, she's watching from the throne room, and all we see is the shadow of Cersei standing up and Jamie's sword ramming in through the back, just like the Mad King flashback. How awesome! That would be really cool. Um, but honestly, I think Arya will kill the Mountain, and that in killing the Mountain, that will somehow prevent her from being able to take out Cersei. Either she gets hurt. She has to get out of King's Landing. She ha- she gets thrown in the dungeon. Something happens, and she will not actually be able to take out Cersei. And instead, you know, my mine is m- mine is Jamie's going to kill Cersei. He's going to kill her as a bookend and be seated on, you know, in the same way that he killed the Mad King. And the thank you he got was to be named Kingslayer. He will kill Cersei to basically save lo- thousands of millions of lives. And the thanks he will get is to be named Queenslayer and Kinslayer. Just like Tyrion, he'll be a Kinslayer yes. and a Kingslayer because they called Tyrion a Kingslayer for for Joffrey's death. But and who, who came up with that idea? That's a really good one. I I, I don't know, man. I I couldn't think right. of anybody so, on this panel that would have thought of that. So, somebody smart. <laughs> Corey Thun, let me ask you this question because I know you're a super fan of super powered Arya, how she heals quickly like Wolverine, and yeah. <laughs> and and she runs really fast even though she has gut gut shanks. Um, mm-hmm. Let me ask you this. How does little – I'm guessing a 100-pound Arya soaking wet with marbles in her pockets and, and, and daggers. How does she take out the mountain? How does she? Yeah. Uh, he's already been poisoned, so and he and obviously he's he's undead or he's something. Look at his face. It's putrefied. It's rotten. So yeah. how does she – how does a little – a wee little girl like that take out the the monster of King's Landing? <laughs> Oh, I would say uh, probably stabs him once right in the lower back, and oh, that no, will, no, 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 that'll no, no. do it. She blows out a candle. Yeah, she blows out a candle. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I personally, I don't know if she kills uh, the mountain or not. I mean, if she does, honestly, I think it's going to be uh, by luring him into a trap sexually, which is super messed up to say. But I think that it, I think if that's even still a thing for him, that's the only thing I can think of. Is, well, he is did. He was shut. He was shut into the dungeon with Septa Unella, and she started screaming. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, I think as messed up as that is, she probably have a different face on, obviously, but I think that's what she would probably do to lure him somewhere and then try to get him stuck, maybe, in the situation, <laughs> and then and then stab him a lot. I don't know. I haven't thought at all that she would. I haven't thought at all that she would kill the mountain. Honestly, I, I think. Um, I think she's going to be in King's Landing with a chance to – she might even witness someone kill Cersei, but I don't think she gets to kill Cersei. I think um, when you guys were talking a moment ago that Jaime will kill Cersei the way right. – I actually think that Tyrion will kill Cersei and in the process save Jaime. Oh. I think uh, that Cersei's going to be losing her shit, and Jaime's going to be arguing with her, and you know she uh, – or the Mountain or somebody is going to be like – about to, or she's about to attack Jamie or something like that. Maybe Jamie kills the mountain. I don't know. And then, um, you know, an arrow from behind or something hits Cersei in the heart or whatever, and it's Tyrion. What, I don't know. That's what, kind of what, what I was what thinking. What is this, was. like Snow White and the Winter War? Like, what the hell are you talking about up there through the heart? Oh my god, I hate you for that. Uh, can I? He already shot his dad in the fucking heart with an arrow. So in the stomach, thank on you. On the toilet. Yeah, on the toilet. Yeah, I know, with a crossbow. Like well, fine. He shoots her with a crossbow through the solar With the solar Mac plexus. Ten, he the bust some caps with a Mac Ten. I'm sorry. Can we find? Do we want to talk some shit? Arya's not going to kill the mountain. That's fucking absurd. Yes, I got She's his. I got his blood pounds. going. Yes. It's fine. If we're gonna, like, I've been drinking and I don't know what the hell we're talking about because I'm not a book reader. But there's no way in hell Arya kills the mountain. 
In fact, <laughs> if, if the only person that's going to kill the mountain is going to be Jamie or the Hound, that's mm. it. Or, like I said on the previous podcast, actually, Picel, not Picel, what's the Kyburn? Kyburn has the mountain turn on Cersei or turn on the crown to protect his own interests. That's the only way the mountain is taken out. He's a walking zombie that can't be killed by poison or knives. I like that idea. Yeah, so so I'm sorry that I ruined your little jerk fest of uh, theories, you <laughs> book readers. But, the uh, book reader circle jerk. All right. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Um, I think I think Cersei dies. Uh, since and this, I'm only basing this on the fact that they never gave us the the prophecy of the Valonqar to its completion, unless they do a flashback in season seven where she hears the Valonqar part. I don't think we're gonna have that in season seven. Um, I think if I think what's going to happen to Cersei is she's going to be killed by Danny, uh, uh, replaced by the younger, more beautiful queen. That was actually said in season five, uh, in her flashback. So I think I think Danny comes in, you know, replaces her, either throws her in a dungeon or kills her. I don't know what she does with her. Maybe she throws her in a dungeon and that's where Arya gets her. I don't know. Whatever. Um, uh, Corey Smith, I know you're itching to get in on this conversation. I mean, if you read the article, you know why I think. I, I mean, I agree with Annie, and, and I think kind of the consensus is it's going to be Jamie. I think there's too much evidence against it being anybody else. And, it, you know, especially when you start talking about, well, who's going to kill the mountain? Who's going to, you know, blah, blah, blah. Jamie wouldn't have to kill the mountain to get to Cersei. Jamie's the only person in King's Landing that could walk right past the mountain, and the mountain won't even blink. So, as far as we know. As far as we know, but, I mean, Jamie is the only person in King's Landing that, that Cersei trusts, um, you know, pretty much completely. I mean, maybe we see that trust start to shatter in Season 7, but Jamie, again, he's the only one that can get past the mountain. He wouldn't have to take out the mountain to get to Cersei. Uh, you know, I mean, him being within arm's reach or sword length of Cersei wouldn't be out of the question by any, you know, stretch of the imagination. So if he does decide he finally wants to take her out, if he's had enough, if she goes completely apeshit bonkers like we think she will, I mean, Jamie's the perfect person. I mean, Arya would have to, yeah, like dress up as a handmaiden or some other kind of crazy magical... Or what about if she steals Jamie's face? Boom. Boom. Now, see, then you're, now you're starting to go full-on tinfoil... You now know. you're talking I'm going, about. I'm going full on you're razor. Not even, you're not I'm just. Going. You're, not, you're going full razor. You're not. You're not just changing your face at that point. You're changing bodies. Like, uh, right. I, I, I don't know how that would work. That would be really weird. Never go full razor. Never go full Never, razor. Never anyway. go full razor. Lady Stoneheart for life. But, <laughs> Lady, hashtag Lady Stoneheart for life. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I just think it makes too much sense for Jamie, and I think the reason we hadn't seen the prophecy on the show is I think the the moment that they sh- if they did have it air, I think it, it, it the cat would be out of the bag for show only watchers, and I think at this point that's all they're kind of you know trying to save, so to speak, is show only watchers. Right. So you know what I mean? I think it just it's too it's too blatant if they if they broadcast it on the air so i I think that that kind of also goes to saying that it's jamie well um really quick before we sign off we're getting towards the end of the podcast i want to talk to each one of you guys now a winner is coming all of us writers are chipping in we're gonna be doing this huge 50 page slideshow on percentages of people who die in game of thrones uh towards the end like who's gonna die by the end of game of thrones and i want to ask each one of you you have to choose one person that would make it to the end and why. Okay, so I'm going to start. No, to the end of season seven, the two last through season seven. Okay, well, I'm saying to the end of the show right now. Okay, okay? all right. So, like, Annie, I'm going to start with you. You have to pick one. It can only be one person. Who do you think survives to the end and why? Oleana. Oh, okay. Because if you live that long, no one's going to kill you. All right? She's going to die of old actually- age? No, seriously, like, no, no, no. Who else is her age on this show at this point? No one. Good point. She is a survivor. She's a surviving member not only of her generation, but the entire generation under her has basically been decimated. Melisandre? 
She's like a Oh, oh okay, right. with the Shonley knowledge. All right, you know what? There you go. I give you that. But at the same time, like I just like at this point, if she she is the dirtiest player in the game, okay? Woo when she comes on the screen, okay? That that's that she is she is uh I don't see her I see her surviving at least to season eight, if not all the way to the end. Cool, cool. Corey Thone, who do you think survives to the end and why? <laughs> uh, I'm going to say John. John Snow. And I why? think John's around in the last episode. Well, he's already died once. Um, we know that he. I mean, we know he'll make it through this next season, probably, right? Right. I mean, I, kind of, you so. kind of assume that if he does die, it'll be a shock to everybody. If this, um, if this is the song of ice and fire, he's got to be the ice, right? Probably. Yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, I, I think and John's a, and yeah, he's a safe bet. So, I'm gonna say John because I don't know anybody. I don't know. I think Tyrion's gonna die eventually. Um, so I don't know. Me too. Me Corey, too. Corey Smith, who do you think survives to the end and why? Um, I, I'm, I, I don't know about why, but I'm definitely pulling for, for, uh, Sir Davos. Aww. Um, I, I mean, I, I think that he, his character is one of the more underrated characters on the show because he's one of the more pragmatic, you know, characters and he's one of the more honorable characters and, you know, he'd be my vote as far as why. I mean, shit, I don't know. Cause I mean, he's going to... The odds are stacked against him, so I couldn't tell you why he survives. Because I mean, if he does, if he's hanging around John, and you know they're going to war with the White Walkers, I mean, that kind of puts you know safety out the window. So, you know, I I don't know how he does it. I'm just I'm pulling for him. He's my guy. Uh, He's my boy, and I I hope he he does end up surviving. So we'll see. Isis, who do you think survives to the end, and why? Well, Annie took mine, but okay. for good reason. That was that was an excellent pick. Uh, I'm gonna go with uh, Leanna Mormont because she's badass. And <laughs> oh, I and actually, like... that brings up a really good point. Bella Ramsey was seen on set. Yes, she they was. Oh, see, she see, with that, with Tormen Giants band. They were taking a picture together. Were they? Oh, yeah. see, look at that. My uh, fan favorites. Okay, so I'm I'm gonna go with uh, Leanna Mormont because okay. I really feel like if any like if Danny, um, Sansa, John, all of them freaking die, she will be left standing. And I think that she could rule, you know, Westeros. What? In in a way that I think that it, we would all, as fans of the show or books or whatever, would be okay with. Like we would we would be okay with her ending up you know being at the end uh whereas you know if well, it i don't actually like, i'm not actually mean that she's a little would... bigger yeah well, i don't i don't I'm actually i don't actually mean that she's going to roll the iron throne i i like the fact that liana would make it to the end and i would i would add on to what you're saying is and and please don't misconstrue what i'm saying as to as being gross or perverted because i know i do say a lot of perverted things on this podcast but I could see Lyanna Mormont and Jon Snow marrying in the future, like after she's aged a little bit, because she, and and Corey, you and I, Corey Thelen, you and I have talked about this. The Mormonts have always been there for the Starks, right? Yep, for sure. So, so like I could see the union of their houses, where she gets a little older of marrying age, John marries her, and they unite the North between Mormont and Stark, and. Mm-hmm. I, could, I mean, I, I stick by my – and the Instagram photo just solidifies it in my mind that Tormund is going to be – or Liana is going to be married to Tormund when she gets older. And yep. and uh, Mormont ha- and Giant's Bane will form the new uh, wildling – like the wildlings will go to Bear Island and all that stuff. And uh, yeah, he he banged a bear once, remember? <laughs> I know. Bear I Island know. and everything. So yeah, just, yeah I mean I, I think – I really think that's – like I know that it's like it's kind of gross because she's like twelve, but um, I don't mean they're going to do it now. But I think that that is maybe in the works mm-hmm. uh, in John's mind is to legitimize the wildlings by taking their leader. Maine it's one of the oldest houses in Westeros, and um, yeah, I think that's a good. I think that'd be a good fit because John's going to have to marry. I mean, he's going to have to marry a, a higher power he's house. Ha- he has house. to marry Danny. 
Look, he, right, I mean, his that's, first girlfriend was kissed by fire. Where do you go after you've gone done one that's kissed by fire? You go and you do the actual fire. Oh. <laughs> no fire. <laughs> I like that. Okay, so here's my choice. Um, Samuel Tarley, he survives to the end, and you and 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 at the very end, whoever's sitting on the Iron Throne, he becomes the new Grand Maester of of either King's Landing or he becomes John's Maester. And here's why. Let me give you my reasons why. And it goes back to Star Wars. George Lucas. When he was writing uh, the screenplay for Star Wars Episode Four: The New Hope, the very first Star Wars movie, he based it off um, a, a story called the Journal, journal of the Wills. And somebody asked him, who wrote this Journal of the Wills? Where does this come from? And he said, R2-D2. R2-D2 is a narrator of Star Wars. If you, and, and I don't want to get into all the, all the details, but if you think about it, in every movie, R2's been there. Even in The Force Awakens, he was he was asleep for most of the time, but he woke up, showed the map, and he could have been apprised of what happened by BBA. Blah 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 blah. I think Samuel Tarley is the R two D two of Game of Thrones. I think Samuel Tarley is the narrator of Game of Thrones, and I think that by the end of this, he'll be the one that writes the history of Westeros. He'll be really? the one. So you guys are just going to steal my shit and not say Corey's the one that pissed everybody off on that, that one podcast <laughs> saying that, that we're going to get the Frodo Baggins ending with Samuel Tarley writing down. You did say his, that, and I will give you credit. I remember you saying that. Yes, I'll give you credit for that. But No, fuck, fuck your shit. I'm not giving you shit. <laughs> oh, no. Wow. Uh, excuse me. Excuse me. Uh, excuse me, bastard. I... <laughs> uh, don't know what you think you're doing, but I can have you killed, and nobody would care. Listen, he could care. flog you, and nobody would care. <laughs> oh my god! Anyway, yeah, I, I, actually, I agree with you. This is a good point. I think yeah, Sam. I think Sam will end up being the the Grand Maester to, like I said, either King's Landing or to John. And and I know everybody's like, well, Sam's still a member of the Night's Watch, but a king can can write a royal pardon to. Um, have him have his vows be removed, and he could become the Maester of Winterfell, and that would be amazing as well if John survives. So anyway, that's my choices. And guess what? We have reached the end of our show. Um, so thanks for listening this week. Hopefully next week we'll have some more actual news to talk about, uh, besides just speculating and cursing each other online. That's really great and fun. Uh, anyway, thanks for listening to Take the Black for myself, for Annie, for Corey Thone. For his, his poor bastard stable boy, Corey Smith, and for the goddess Isis, this has been Take the Black. Thanks for listening. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase. It's a culture, and the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.